Breaking news on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, powered by Odyssey, is brought to you by BetQL. All right, breaking news here on 910 The Fan. This is an ongoing situation, uh, but according to multiple sources, in a ruling today, Judge John P. Bailey did not specify uh, the update and that David Teal is now reporting VCU's Joe Bamisil is eligible at least for 14 days. Zach Joaquin in the Richmond Times-Dispatch did just confirm to me right now that Bamisil is eligible at the moment with the Rams game Saturday hosting Temple, uh, but this is only a 14-day injunction. Zach will be joining us shortly here to break this down further. That's breaking news right here on 910 The Fan, Richmond's home for VCU basketball. Spend your afternoons with Adam Epstein. Three complete stinkers, and that is the kind of inconsistency that is utterly embarrassing. AWOD Radio. Don't go to break, just keep rolling. <laughs> go through the break. A newsflash, next time don't call in from your basement. You sound like you're doing it from hell. On Sports Radio 910 The Fan and 105.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Ram Nation, I know you guys are on the edge of your seat right now trying to find out the latest. Zach Joachim has agreed to come on the show in about 10 minutes here, but he just let everyone know that, yes, the judge did grant a 14-day injunction. Joe Bamiso and many other transfer athletes around the country are eligible as it stands, but that doesn't mean he's going to play. That is to be determined. And things may be overturned uh, by Saturday's game. Uh, and you also don't want him to burn a year of eligibility if he's not going to be allowed to play. So this is a very uh, fluid situation. It's ongoing, and we'll find out the latest from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. VCU Athletics re- beat reporter Zach Joachim in about 10 minutes here. But uh, we did want to go around the NFL. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline is our buddy Nick Ashu. What's going on, Nick? Hey, Wad. How are you, buddy? Uh, uh, there's just too much going on. I mean, there's just so much going on in my life today. We had a holiday party. We've got a judge making a decision. We got Ted Leonsis speaking off uh, about Monumental moving to Virginia. I mean, where should we start, Nick? Hey, man, it's your show. You pick whatever you want. I'm in on all that stuff, so. Well, let's start Let's start with the D.C. sports scene because you, like myself, grew up in the area rooting for these teams. I mean, how much does it pain you to think that in 2028 they're going to be the Virginia Wizards? Yeah, I mean, this is the business of sports today, though, right? Where, like, I, here's the thing. I see both sides of where we are. It's not a great lease for Leonsis and Monumental where they are, and they want a new arena, and they're doing the whole, like, let's hold the city we're currently in hostage by having somebody else, right? They've been in a relationship. The relationship's not going well, and they're flirting with somebody else, and they want to try to make that person jealous and see if they're going to come back and fix the things that they want to fix. It's, it's become now where... Like, if you look at the plans for the Commander's new stadium, and we've seen a bunch of different ones, the same thing what they kind of want to do for Wizards and Caps is they want to build complexes where there's, like, shopping and people can have apartments there and practice facility and all these different things. It's not just about arenas or stadiums anymore. It's not enough because these places are getting so expensive to make and maintain or even just upgrade that you have to be able to have more of a reason for people to want to go there, right? So... 
I, I understand why they're doing this, and I get the appeal of building something brand new and having your touch on it, but it does also hurt the city of D.C., right? Like, it's going to hurt that area a lot. That really changed the Chinatown area when they put, was a, you know, what was originally MCI Center there. I mean, you know this, you've done it. I've been, you know, been down there a million times, whether it's to watch a game, covering a game, or just down there as a fan and enjoying all the stuff that's around it, the restaurants, the bars, like, it's a great time, but DC's, DC's having some issues. And, and that's one of the things they talked about too, is like the crime issues that are there and stuff. So like, it's, it's kind of on the city of Washington, DC to fix things as well. So I hate it. It's, I don't like seeing them move out if this ends up happening, which certainly looks like it's going to be the case. But I do really understand why they're making that decision. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm just, uh, the nostalgia of everything is just driving me crazy. I made so many great memories from that Washington Capitals Stanley Cup run. And it's just, you know, when your team wins, the place you want to be is in the city, not in the suburbs, you know. Yeah. So that's what's so disappointing about all of this. And I'll be honest with you, Nick, I've become the sports Grinch. I've taken on a new personality over the last few days here, and this was a big part of it this morning. But what really set me off earlier this week is that Ron Rivera is still coaching my football team. And he's just he's just taking us into the ground, and he doesn't even want to coach the defense. You know, he's hiring some other guy to do it, and I'm losing my mind. You know, I get it. Well, Josh Harris hasn't fired him. He doesn't want it to become a circus. It is a circus in my mind. Yeah, but this is good. Okay, so this is the conversation I've been having with my dad for like the last month. After every single game, we do like a post-mortem and talk, and he always vents about it. And what I try to explain to him, which I'll now explain to you, my friend, this is good. We want them to continue to bottom out. I don't want this team turning things around and winning. I want a better draft pick. This team is going to have $90 million in cap space, and they're regarded now as one of, if not the best, coaching jobs that's going to be out there not to mention front office personnel you go snag somebody from the 49ers front office that was worked under john lynch and maybe you hire ben johnson from the lions you can get these guys now in the past who in their right mind that thought they had a bright future and real aspirations to be successful in the nfl wanted to go work for dan snyder nobody did but now you got josh harris you got magic johnson and you're looking around at that organization going, they got a fresh start. And maybe if that's a top five pick, maybe you're, you're going to hire a head coach that says, I like Sam Howell, but I think he's a backup. We want to draft our guy. To also have that opportunity as a head coach to go in with a higher draft pick and pick your guy quarterback, it's really, really enticing. What we're doing now is we're suffering for benefits later, right? Like it happened, What do they say, right? If it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. It's not going to kill us. It's going to make this team stronger. It's not fun, but come on. Every Commanders fan is so used to this, right? We've got calluses all over our body from the pain and suffering of cheering for this team year after year after year and then being the laughing stock of the NFL. We are on the verge of this organization becoming a real organization again. And maybe in a few years, we actually get to use the word contender in a legitimate way. So I know it sucks now, Awad, but I want you to just take a deep breath. Calm down with me. You'll be all right. I promise you, it is good what they're doing right now. Josh Harris sees it. He says, let's just let this go. Let's let this ride out. Everybody's one, two, three, Cancun, and then boom, 
everything's brand new. No, it's a great point, and there's a lot of maybes in there. But here's what Ron Rivera has done is he has confused me as a diehard fan on whether or not I've been overvaluating the talent on this team. Is this Terry McLaurin still have what it takes to be a pro bowler? Can Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne get back to that level? Do we have enough talent to be elite on the defensive side of the ball with a defensive-minded head coach? I mean, Ron has just kind of ruined it for me right now with this roster. No, and that's fair. Listen, I mean, we look at guys like Terry McLaurin getting no catches, and yet the guy doesn't even come out and complain. He makes a joke about getting a lot of cardio. Like, you need a guy like that around, a talented wide receiver that's not a diva. That's hard to find in today's NFL. And, yeah, we look, you traded away two pass rushers that are having – I mean, Chase Young looks great in San Francisco right now. They've been – have been one of the best, in fact, since their bye week. And when the tr- they traded for Chase Young, the 49ers have the most sacks in the NFL, 22 since then. So it's working there. Montez Sweat calling out the organization and clearly happy in Chicago. Okay, let's be careful. You got paid. Like, we know Chicago's had a lot of issues. But we do still have some talent on this roster. I'm with you on that, the question of evaluation and where that is going forward. But if you have smart people that are hired, they'll be able to make that decision this offseason. And, and maybe there are more trades. Maybe they are adding more picks. Maybe they are getting rid of some of these veterans. That's kind of the risk that you have in this situation. But change from where we are in the past, where it's been we still have Dan Snyder at the top, so the culture is never going to change. We don't have that anymore. But, listen, I do agree with you on that. Is you're looking at this roster on the field going, what do we have at this point? That's very fair to ask. That's Nick Ashew. You can follow him on social media, at Nick Ashew. Check him out right here on Odyssey with BetMGM tonight and available around the country on the Odyssey app. Before we let you go, it's December 13th. Would you like to pick a Super Bowl winner? Uh, Oh, my God, San Francisco 49ers. They stay healthy. That team is head and shoulders above everybody else in the NFL. They're blowing teams out of the water. My pick is 49ers-Ravens in the Super Bowl. And by the way, there is a uh, kind of a conspiracy theory. And if you go back and look, I think it's the last three years, the colors of the Super Bowl logo have actually determined the teams by their colors that are going to the Super Bowl. So we got red and purple on this logo. I don't think the Vikings are getting there. So I'm looking at 49ers and Ravens. But, no, I, I think San Francisco, when they're healthy, they're head and shoulders above everybody else. Best coach in the NFL, best offensive mind. You've got a great defense. There's some questions about part of that offensive line, the interior, maybe a little bit of the right side. But Trent Williams stays healthy. They're fine. Brock Purdy's going out there making all the throws. He's completing 70% of his passes. And you know what? I'd like to see Brock Purdy actually lead that team back in a game when they're down. But if they're going out and they're stomping on teams' throats this early and nobody can come back on them, it really doesn't matter whether Brock Purdy can ever do it because they're never going to be down in a playoff game this year. I love San Francisco. That is a wild conspiracy theory. Did you get that from Trista Crick, or is that Horvey? That's Ryan Horvat. (laughs) So so great story. I actually had it brought up to me. So when we do our show every Monday night from the MGM at National Harbor, uh, one of the bartenders there, I was getting getting (laughs) dinner, and he told me about it, and I went back and looked, and I was like, holy crap, he's right. So it's like the last three years, you go back and look, the colors of the teams playing in the Super Bowl actually match the Super Bowl logo. So – Ravens 49ers, that's what the signs are telling me. The NFL script is out. Well, I do have a bet on the Ravens to win the Super Bowl, so I'd like for that so to I. happen. Nick, thanks so, so much, I. man. I appreciate it. Anytime, buddy. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910. The Fan now at 105.1 FM. Could Joe Bamisil and Sean Barristow get on the court together for the Rams on Saturday? Zach Joaquin, the Richmond Times-Dispatch beat reporter, will join us next on The Fan. Welcome back. 
A lot going on in the sports world today. I'm Adam Epstein. This is AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 1051 FM, Richmond's home for VCU basketball. New episode, new episode, alert, alert. Black and Gold Fan Pod has a new episode that dropped last night. Available on iTunes, Spotify, and the Odyssey app. And the boys are already talking about an emergency pod later today with what's going on in the NCAA. And joining us right now to break it all down on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. He's been working his ass off, but nice enough to join the show. From the Richmond Times-Dispatch, it's Zach Joaquin. What's going on, Zach? Adam, what's up, man? I would be very excited for an emergency pod. And I, <laughs> I, I do think that today's developments perhaps warrant one. Yeah, so explain to the audience how you've spent your morning, basically. <laughs> okay, first of all, I am not a lawyer. Um, <laughs> and so I've been trying to wrap my head around the legal complexities here. Um, but but Joe Banasiel was going to testify um, as, a, as a witness this morning um, in the case that's been brought by seven state attorney generals uh, against the NCAA over its transfer policy rules. Um, it's in West Virginia. Um, and they called a few witnesses, different athletes across the country in football and basketball, mm-hmm. um, who had been seeking waivers after multiple transfers. And at, I believe this was a little before one o'clock. Um, it was Joe's turn. And then lawyers said that they did not need uh, testimony from any further witnesses. And so Joe, after, you know, prepping with, with lawyers and uh, preparing to, to state his case, which is obviously very emotional for him, um, yeah, because his, his transfer situation concerns his own mental health challenges um, and his dad's health um, and, and helping his family out with the business and a lot of personal issues that are obviously difficult to talk about. Um, and Joe got on the call and then was told that they didn't need any further witnesses. Um, and Joe's response, understandably, sounded pretty taken aback um, and, and disappointed, I think. You know, he said that he's tired of, of being a piece of paper in a document. Um, in this process, and, and he doesn't feel like he's had an opportunity to have his say. Um, and the judge said that uh, you will eventually get that, but it won't be today. Mm. Um, and so that was the end of that, and Joe did not get a chance to testify uh, after preparing to do so with legal counsel. So from a VCU perspective, that was obviously disappointing. Um, but the judge said that they'd have a ruling at, at, at 1.30, so it was about a 40-minute break there. Um, and then we went back to the hearing. And Judge uh, John Preston Bailey issued a temporary restraining order for the next 14 days that grants immediate eligibility to any college athletes seeking a, a multi-time transfer. The next hearing is scheduled for December 27th. Um, and in addition to enjoining the NCAA from enforcing its year of residence rule for multi-time transfers, the judge also did the same for the NCAA rule of restitution, meaning schools can't be punished for playing impacted athletes over the next 14 days. Mm. Um, so even if this was overturned down the road, the NCAA can't turn around and punish those schools. Now, the concern for VCU with Joe is that as it stands, he is eligible, um, as are many athletes across the country. But if he plays these two games over those next 14 days um, and then this gets overturned, then he could have burned a year of eligibility. Right. Um, and so I think- now I will I will say sorry to cut you off, but uh, I've seen from multiple sources dialed in that the they would be stunned if the NCAA enforced any punishment for any team playing somebody during this temporary restraining order. Yes, I, I don't believe they can, but I'm not sure him burning a year of eligibility falls under the heading of punishment, mm. right? Because it's not that's that's just the bylaws and and in college basketball you step on the court that's your eligibility. There's not a threshold for the amount of games played, right? And so uh, I think that 
VCU, um, again, as it stands, Joe is eligible and, and how to move forward here. Um, again, and as it stands, Joe is eligible, but there are concerns about if he plays and then this plays out legally in a certain way down the road, and if it's overturned, then has he burned eligibility? Because, yes, I've, I've seen that a lot, too, and that's certainly the case here, that the NCAA can't retroactively punish anyone, but I'm not sure losing eligibility because you played falls under that heading. Zach Joaquin with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, beat reporter for VCU Athletics with the Richmond Times-Dispatch. And Zach, I think to completely paint a picture on this whole situation, we do need to rewind and explain to the audience a little bit about Joe Bamis' situation, how it's so personal, and what schools he's transferring from. Yeah, Joe, Joe started at Virginia Tech, right? Um, and, and he's a local kid, too, to, to throw in there for anyone who doesn't know that. He's a Monacan High graduate. He was all Metro um, uh, at Monacan, also spent some time at St. Christopher's before that. Um, and started at Virginia Tech. Uh, the coach that recruited him at Tech left after a year and then went to George Washington, and the same thing happened. Um, and then ended up at Oklahoma last year and was granted a waiver by the NCAA to play at Oklahoma, which is uh, a, a big factor here because a lot of the arguments surrounding Joe, who's now at his fourth school at VCU, is the NCAA granted him the waiver to go to Oklahoma um, based on mental health challenges, largely that, that Joe has encountered in the past and obviously over the last few years. In the wake of the pandemic, the NCAA has been relatively lenient with granting waivers, and they've tried to crack down on that as we've moved further and further away from the COVID-impacted seasons. But the, I think the argument for a lot of people surrounding Joe is if you're going to grant him a waiver to play at Oklahoma for based on mental health challenges, then how does that not apply coming back to VCU where his family lives, where his family runs a business, where Joe is helping his family run that business, where his dad has encountered some some pretty significant health challenges um, that have involved surgery. Um, And for all of those reasons, and Joe wanting to be closer to his family and home, it would seem that you've got more rationale to to grant a waiver for him coming to VCU than for him going out to Oklahoma to play. And so I think that that's where a lot of the indignation comes from. And it's just the application of the rules when you look at other examples across the NCAA, right? This is not calling – you know, an individual out, but it's tough not to compare Joe's situation to that of Efton Reed, who's at Wake Forest, who who started at LSU, went to Gonzaga, is now at Wake Forest on his third school, and he's been deemed eligible mm-hmm. for this year. So what is the line that the NCAA is drawing here? And I think that's at the heart of the legal argument, because... So- all the member schools in the NCAA agreed to the bylaws. It's about the application of the bylaws. So if you're just tuning in right now, VCU's Joe Bamisil is eligible for at least 14 days, and we, we believe we'll hear further on December 27th? Yes, we'll hear further on December 27th. And, I, and today, honestly, we're going to see around the country, because VCU is far from the only school right now that's in this situation, right? There's a lot of different programs who've got to decide today Really, are we are we letting our kids play? Um, I believe LSU uh, has a player whose, whose name I just saw, Jalen Cook, who's in a similar situation, and they play tonight. Um, there's plenty of programs with players in similar situations to Joe that they've got to decide right now: are we are we playing our guys while they're eligible? And so this won't just be VCU having to make the decision; it will be a collective decision around the country about how, how to handle the situation and whether to to put players who might temporarily be eligible, but are certainly eligible right now out there um, and how it's going to play out down the road if this is overturned. 
Zach doing a great job reporting on this. That's Zach Joaquim. Follow him on social media at Zach Joaquim, VCU Athletics beat reporter for the Richmond Times Dispatch. But other than reporting on this, you know, opinion wise, given the uncertainty, would it be worth Joe playing in the next few games here because he could still use his COVID year? I'm not sure it would be to burn a year of eligibility. I mean, it, looking at it from a you know, we're, we're very much talking about the trees right now and to, and to zoom out and look at the forest. VCU's non-conference schedule is, you know, the, the, after the Norfolk State loss um, and the loss to Memphis in overtime, they're probably not building an at-large NCAA tournament resume, right, realistically. Um, and so why would you – and the next couple of games, you know, obviously Temple beat VCU last year, but without Joe, you would hope to win those games. And so are, is it really worth the risk, you know, putting Joe out there for these next couple of games that you should win without him and that probably aren't going to have that much bearing on your NCAA tournament resume anyway? I would say no, um, although it, if you have assurance and confidence that he's not going to, you know, burn the year of eligibility and that this isn't going to get overturned and that you see the trend around the country that other programs are playing their guys, I would think that VCU – probably falls in line with that. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of my view of this, is that it, it kind of feels hard for the NCAA to allow student-athletes around the country with multiple uh, big college basketball reporters, at least seven to ten uh, universities have players who would be eligible for the next 14 days. It, it would be hard for the NCAA to kind of allow these players to play and then say, oh, no, 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 you're back to being locked up in a cage once again. I've uh, I've got the list right here. There's, there's quite a few of them. Uh, Primo Spears at Florida State, uh, Southern Miss, Arizona State, West Virginia, uh, Old Miss, Rhode Island, LSU. I, I said Jalen Cook, Mike Saunders at McNeese State. Mm. Uh, so and Will Wade has two guys, C.J. Felder and Mike Saunders, both at McNeese State. Um, I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's about twelve players here um, who this is immediately impacting. That's that's from Jeff Goodman. Uh, on Twitter, who those schools are going to have to make decisions now and, and, and this week. And so this will be a collective thing uh, from a lot of different programs about how they approach it. And NBCU falls in line with all of those that I've mentioned. Yeah, I guess we can open up to the phone lines right now. 833-804-0910. Joe Bamisil is eligible to play for 14 days. If you're a VCU fan, do you play him? Or do you wait another two weeks for another ruling? You can let me know, 833-804-0910. Zach, great stuff, man. Anything else you wanted to add here? Um, just that uh, Monday night, uh, if you haven't seen the VCU women's basketball team play this year, get out to a game. They are 9-1. and one. They're very good. Uh, Mariana Saar uh, is a sophomore who can really shoot it, led them in scoring, and they played the first Division One game at the beautiful new Henrico Sports and Events Center, which I was incredibly impressed by. It's going to host the A-10 women's tournament coming up here in March. And so get out and see Coach O'Boyle's Rams uh, play this year if you haven't yet because they're a lot of fun to watch. And just to confirm with all this craziness, we do not have an update on the health of um, Sean Bairstow. We do not know. The last that I've heard was at Ryan's press conference Monday morning, and they are hoping that he can. He needs to get in a full contact practice before he can play in a game. Um, they have opportunities to do that this week, and I think that they are hoping that he can get in a full contact practice this week ahead of the Temple game. My uh, my guess would be that there's a chance that he plays mm. Saturday. Um, I think they're trying to be cautious here and have him really ready to go come come a ten play. Um, but it sounds like they're trying to get him a full contact practice soon here. Obviously, everyone has seen that the boot is off and and he's been standing around shoot around before games in the in the past couple of weeks. So he is very close. 
That's Zach Joaquin. Read his work online, richmond.com. Thanks a lot, dude. Adam, you're the best. Thanks for having me on. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, December 13th will go down in my mind for a long time as one of the craziest sports days here locally in a long time. We just were talking about the news that Joe Bamisil is eligible to play for VCU basketball over the next 14 days, given the judge said that they will make another ruling on December 27th. We threw it out there, 833-804-0910, or tweet us at 910thefan. Would you like to see Joe Bamisil play? And a few tweets coming in here. One says, I say we play him. Who knows if he'll want to play in the NCAA next year after this dumb situation. He might want to go overseas. Caleb tweets me, it's hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube. And that's kind of how I feel about this situation. I would play Joe Bam on Saturday against Temple. Joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline from CBS 6 here locally is Lane Casadante. What's going on, Lane? Well, <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, it, just when you think the NCAA can't get, can't make you scratch your head at their decisions and their operations anymore, they pull something like this, which um, – I, and I know this isn't them. This is a judge uh, looking at the overall case and making a temporary ruling. Um, it bothers me that these kids have been kind of uh, left hanging in the breeze here, going back and forth like yo-yos, although uh, we had a chance to ask Coach Odom about Joe specifically on Monday, and Joe has been at every practice. He's obviously at every game. He has been a full member of the team uh, just not on game day. So um, while he may not be ready to just jump in and contribute 20, 25 minutes on Saturday, uh, if he remains eligible, he has practiced enough and is up on everything enough to contribute something uh, now that he is at least temporarily eligible. Yeah, Jeff Goodman, longtime college hoops reporter, uh, just tweeted that one high major coach told him the NCAA is a joke. It's insanity. We have no rules. We need to break away. It's a crazy ongoing situation with Joe. Uh, but you, you've you covered Joe for a long time as he is a local kid. I mean, can you speak about the impact you think he could make on the court if he was able to play? Well, I know he can score. He averaged uh, 28 points a game as a junior at Monacan. He has uh, filled up the basket wherever he goes. And, um, you know, BC, you never have enough shooters. Uh, and VCU um, kind of broke out of some of their shooting slump the other day against Alcorn State, uh, but they have struggled with shooting the ball, and Joe could absolutely help them in that regard. Um, you, you know, it's that's why he was part of the reason why uh, Odom wanted to bring him in in the first place, because the first thing you see about him is that he can provide offense. Lane Casadante with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. So the other big news in the sports world today was the press conference and announcement that Ted Leonsis has a deal in place with Virginia and Alexandria to move the Wizards and the Capitals. Since then, Muriel Bowser has gone on a, a campaign in D.C. Uh, stating her passionate case for keeping the teams downtown. I mean, uh, what is your kind of personal opinion on, on this, Lane? 
every time I hear Muriel Bowser's name, I immediately think of Mario's arch nemesis. And <laughs> I can't get away from that. I, I just that that image immediately pops into my head, which which does the woman no favors. But anyway, um, you know, I, I think this is a feather in the cap for Governor Yunkin, um, Virginia. Depending on, uh, I know uh, uh, Michael Phillips and I were texting about this this morning. Mm-hmm. The commanders have their headquarters in Virginia, but a lot of people don't consider that to be a Virginia team because they play their games in Maryland. Mm-hmm. So this would actually give Virginia their first two, if you view it in that lens, their first two professional sports teams that will still be called the Washington Wizards and the Washington Capitals, but they will play and be headquartered in Virginia. Um, and you know, that's kind of a, a feather in the cap to the governor who probably sees the writing on the wall and has been in far more, you know, discussions about this than any of us have. I don't want to say it's a consolation prize, but this is probably going to be in lieu of the commanders actually building a stadium somewhere in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So we get this, um, and then D.C. is probably going to welcome a new commander stadium back at the old RFK site, which... I think a majority of people think is the best place for it to go anyway. What's frustrating about this whole announcement here to me is that Ted Leonsis said that Monumental is following the higher calling for sports franchises by doing the fans right and uniting the DMV. And he mentioned Richmond several times, saying Monumental's market starts in Richmond, goes past Baltimore to Delaware. With him mentioning Richmond, though, I have to ask, I haven't heard any news about the Wizards or Capitals coming to Richmond anytime soon. So it's kind of frustrating how he's mentioning Richmond being a part of Monumental. Well, I know the Capitals can't come here because uh, there is no ice facility that would be... No, but why don't why couldn't they come to River City Roll like the Redskins did, you know, and just host... Uh, oh, 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 I right? got you. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking on the ice. Right. Um, but yeah, I, you know, and maybe this... Uh, well, think about it. If you are a fan of either team is uh, an arena in Alexandria, you know, more of a draw for you than going into D.C.? Um, for some people, it might be. Um, I don't know if it's more of a – is this more of a detriment for people that live on the opposite side? Mm-hmm. Will they go the extra – I know it's the crow flies. I think um, the Cap 1 arena to Potomac Yard is maybe three miles. Um, but for someone in Maryland, maybe it would be, it might as well be 300 miles. Will they go the extra four or five metro stops to get down to a game in Alexandria? We are going to find out. Um, and, you know, on the other side, would this prompt more people from Norfolk and Richmond and the Virginia uh, area to go to a Capitals or a Wizards game because you're not crossing the river and going into downtown D.C. I mean, we'll put, they're banking on all of this, but it's a break, it's it's a big new shiny toy. Um, it's a feather in Governor Yunkin's cap and his administration, and Ted Leonsis gets a new playground. Yeah. So I think in that regard, everybody wins. We'll see if the fans eventually win uh, when this is all built and up and running. Yeah, and if Ted Leonsis wants to do this major move and make – the Wizards and the Capitals, Virginia's team. You know, I, I would like some kind of a commitment to all of the state of Virginia. You know, I mean, we're building this new green city. I'm sure they could host the Wizards or or, may, or the Capitals for an event or something like that. Or how about, you know, Richmond Good Life on social media points out, how about a generous regional television package? More of a commitment to 
the actual civilians in Virginia if we're trying to make it Virginia's team and not just, oh, it's, it's the Washington Wizards for D.C. We just play them in Alexandria. Well, and maybe you will see that down the road. This might be the first step in more of that, you know, Ted Leonsis taking more of a look at Virginia. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, it, it kind of This is like a kind of a carrot and stick type thing. Leonsis puts it out there like, hey, maybe I'd be willing to move. You know, who wants to jump and, and see how far they can go? Maybe this, maybe this leads to more VCU and, and uh, uh, Richmond games being on uh, Monumental Sports. Um, maybe this means more of a presence for the team when Green City, Green City should be up and running right about the same time as this Alexandria development. If everything stays on track, maybe we see uh, one or two teams come down here for exhibition games or for you know part of their training camp. Who knows? The Wizards used to have training camp over at the Siegel Center mm-hmm. for a few days. I know the, the structure of the NBA year is a little bit different now than it was then, but this could open up things for – both of those franchises to have more of a presence down here. Yeah, and the one thing that is really interesting that Bill Roth spoke on earlier today is the impact that this will have on Virginia Tech with their campus right there. Yeah, it, and, and that is, I understand that's under construction as well. I mean, this is a, a very ambitious project um, right next to uh, Reagan Airport, um, and it, it's 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 neat in the fact that, okay, Virginia finally has a couple of sports teams. They're still called Washington, though. Um, and, and this is going to be very, very similar to what Henrico is trying to do with Green City. So mm. everything that you heard today about Alexandria, that's what Henrico is trying to do on a little bit smaller scale with Green City. And hopefully we get to see both of those up and running sooner rather than later. Lane, great stuff, man. I appreciate it. Adam, thanks for having me. Have a great week. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. we got one final segment if you want to chime in. Love to open up the phone lines. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. Stubb, I kind of feel like Ted Leonsis will be known as the sports Grinch that took basketball away from the city. <laughs> Depends on who you ask is what it sounds like. I mean, like. I, I just know personally... It means a lot to me that the Washington Wizards play in D.C., and I know there's a lot of fans out there, diehard basketball fans, that do agree. We'll take your phone calls next on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. couple uh, show announcements Really cool interviews coming up over the next few days. So Friday at 2 p.m., Bradford Burgess will join the show. How about that? VCU Ram, he's on the poster we've got in the studio from the 2011 Final Four team. Big shot Brad, as he was explained to me by my buddy Connor when I came to VCU as a freshman. And my goodness, did he live up to those expectations. It felt like any time I was at a game and the Rams needed a big shot, they would turn to the big man, Bradford Burgess. And I just loved about Brad was he would jump out of the gym on his three-point shots. Like, I've never seen a guy jump that high on a three-point shot and just have – it's not like it was a line drive. It had great arc. And, man, you could count on him. And now he's back at VCU with Ram Nation as an assistant coach. So is Darius Theus. And I'll tell you, Darius Theus was an awesome interview, so I'm really looking forward to having Bradford Burgess on the show Friday at 2 p.m. Thursday, 2.30, Virginia Tech head coach Brent Pry 
will join the show. We announced today we are just two weeks away from the Military Bowl, Virginia Tech against Tulane. So really cool to have the head football coach for the Hokies joining us tomorrow at 2.30. We announced earlier today Jalen Lane, Ollie Jennings, Stephen Gosnell, four of the receivers for the Hokies this year, four impactful players, will not be entering the transfer portal. They will be staying in Blacksburg for another season to go along with quarterback Kyron Drone. So the Hokies are really building something. Next year could be a big year in the ACC. Also, tomorrow at 1.30, my buddy Del Brown, who I worked with uh, in Washington, D.C. Now he's a representative for flag football in America. He's going to join the show, Dell on Air, for a rundown about the future of flag football that is currently the fastest-growing sport worldwide. And in October, it was approved by the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, as a sport for the 2028 Olympic Games in Los Angeles. You've heard several NFL athletes talking about that, including Tyreek Hill. Flag football will be in the 2028 Olympics. And Dell Brown, the host of the popular flag football podcast, Dell On Air, will join us Thursday at 1.30. So a lot going on on the show this week. But, Stubb, I am still feeling like the sports Grinch. I I, I am. I I can't I help it. I this news this morning by Ted Leonsis really set me off, right? I, I, I want to think positively about sports here in the nation's capital, but I'm pissed off about everything. And I just, I can't get over the fact that the Washington Wizards and the Washington Capitals in the next three years could be playing games in Northern Virginia. Alex Ovechkin is going to become the greatest hockey player of all time and the leading goal scorer, right? We're tracking that every day on the sports app. Ovechkin's hunt for history. Are they going to really build Ovi's statue in Alexandria? Who cares about Alexandria? Right? That's not even real. Old I think Town stinks. Traffic is my biggest concern here. Yes, for everyone. I know That's because <laughs> the Northern Virginia and and this is the craziest thing. I'm no, I'm Nova born and bred, and recently I hate Northern Virginia. Yeah, yeah. I'm becoming the Nova Grinch. As a, as someone Richmond born and bred, right. I've always hated Nova. Yeah, I know. I know. And people in in Nova are mucking up Richmond. They're all moving to Scott's edition. Making an L.A. edition with all the prices now. (laughs) It's unbelievable. Go back to Nova. Go back to Springfield, why don't (laughs) you? I'm I'm one of those people. But, uh, yeah, I I mean, this news this morning was just so depressing. Like, I agree that it's cool for, like, Virginia to have a sports team. But it's like we're not really getting a – Right. It's not like we're getting an expansion team. It's just the D.C. suburb. Right. You know, I don't consider that Virginia. And then just – look, it's it's hard for me to really comment on it because I'm – I was never living in D.C., right? I grew up in Nova, went to VCU, and then when I was working in D.C., I was living in Arlington, loved the nightlife in Arlington. Mm. But for the folks that were born and raised in D.C., that are basketball fans, to have their team ripped away from them by Ted Leonsis makes me feel like he's the sports Grinch. (laughs) It's not me. It's Uncle Ted. I I saw there was actually some protesters outside. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was two protesters, but... There were a few people. <laughs> not, not, not Well, they kind of just, you know, swept this under the rug, and then boom, had the announcement. It's not like, you know, people were talking about this for weeks. It was yeah, like breaking news no yesterday, is... and then boom, all of a sudden, 9 a.m. press conference. And Muriel Bowser in D.C., they're scrambling. They put together $500 million. Ted said, sorry, I asked for six. It's just, it's millionaires fighting billionaires. How about the common folk? 
How about, about the common folk? I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. It's Granddaddy coming up next on The Fan.